Three. Here. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Good evening and welcome to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. And as I've been saying for so many years, I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. If you don't know what that means, ask me sometime. All right, so uh, tonight we are going to focus on Ukraine again. That's dominating the news the morning, afternoon, evening. Um, we're just getting bombarded with this conflict in Ukraine between Russia and not Ukraine, but really NATO. Let's stop all the pretenses. Let's stop lying. Let's just let's just admit what it is. This is NATO, of which the United States is in charge of, which funds you know well U.S. taxpayers funded. Um, this came up when Donald Trump was president, when he was telling them that they got to foot more of the bill for their own defense. Um, yeah, so it's just dominating the news. But tonight, we're going to talk about the silence of the lambs. And lamb, when you think of a lamb, what do you think of? And I'm, I'm talking about the um, offspring of a sheep, a lamb, a baby lamb. Silence of the lamb. So when you think of a lamb, you think of either a baby sheep, you think of innocence. These are some of the other words that's been associated with the image of a lamb. You know, it's even religious, like like Jesus is known as the lamb of God, uh, signifying innocence, also signifying sacrifice, which lambs are often, you know, um, um, Victims of animal sacrifice in various religion, pagan, Christian. Um, yeah. So, but I'm talking about the lambs being slaughtered. That's the context in which I want to discuss the silence of the lambs. The silence of the people who have been slaughtered in Ukraine and who will be slaughtered. Um, and anybody else, NATO troops being led to, you know, the slaughter like lambs. So that's the context of the silence of the lambs. Um, We were scheduled to have Dave back with us. He was with us on the last podcast. Uh, Some things came up. He's not able to be with us. But I do have a couple of articles or a couple of items that he wanted me to share as part of what's in the news. And I do have a news clip I want to talk about. Western propaganda, brainwashing, all of it, all of it. And it's just so sad to see the machine work so well. And this isn't the first time. This is any time the United States needs to, um, not needs to, but desires to attack another sovereign country, usually for resources or other quote-unquote strategic uh, interest like having a base there or having a government friendly uh, to what you want to do or what you want to put within the borders of that nation. And so this media machine, it, it they all, like Dave said last uh, podcast, 
when they all saying the same thing, you know it's propaganda. You know it's propaganda. And pretty much they always say the same things. Now, that doesn't necessarily, when news is reporting on, let's say, the January 6th insurrection, which I'm starting to now view as, as Malcolm said, um, the United States chickens coming home to roost. Once I'm going to share with you some some video clips in the context of the silence of the lamb from this documentary, which was produced by Oliver Stone. And it's called Ukraine on Fire. It wasn't just produced last week or last month. It wasn't produced, you know, after um, Russia. And we can call it an invasion after whether they was invited in or not by the Russian speaking Ukrainians who inhabit the east and uh, those other regions, what Donbass and the other region that declared their independence. Okay, so there's a lot to get into. So I got a lot of clips, and in this documentary, you cannot watch this documentary specifically about Ukraine. This was made in 2016. Again, wasn't made yesterday. It's not part of the prepackaged media. Once you watch this documentary, you'll they'll even touch upon um how media, specifically social media, is used to start coups. You can call them revolutions, you could call them regime change. There's there's different Words that people use depending upon the light that they're trying to paint on that particular quote unquote uh, revolution. But that documentary will touches on mind control and how this has just been um, standard operating procedure for so many decades with the U.S. government in partnership with your corporate news outlets. And then the, now you have social media, you have Facebook and Twitter, and they are banning and censoring people. Uh, you have the Twitter mobs that go after people like Tulsi Gabbard, who's been pretty consistent over the years about um, the United States uh, needs to stop being so aggressive militarily around the world. Uh, there's other people like Ron Paul on the right uh, who talked about blowback. This is from the coups. You know, he talks about um, the um, blowback from from overthrowing the Iranian uh, democratically elected president. And so, and, and then to, talk, to, to just heighten the hypocrisy, they always put it in the terms of their spreading democracy when they're actually overthrowing democracies. They're overthrowing the governments of those who won in elections fair and square, as they say, in the United States State Department, whatever presidential administration. They all seem pretty consistent when it comes to foreign policy. There's not much um, disagreement until, you know, Trump came along on NATO. But all the other administrations, they all have been pumping money into it and all for expanding it. But. I'm going to share a couple of excerpts from that documentary to talk about the silencing of the lambs and, and the people that's being slaughtered, the people who have been slaughtered. In this particular case, the Jews who were slaughtered in Ukraine by Ukrainian Nazis since, again, we have 
mainstream media engage in the whitewashing of Ukraine, the white uh, using Zelensky's alleged Jewishness because I don't think anybody ever heard that he was part Jewish. You know, someone in his family was Jewish, therefore he can claim, you know, heritage. I think it's passed through the women. Um, if your mother was a Jew and your grandmother was a Jew, don't quote me on none of that. You know, talk to a person who practices that religion. They can help you out with the details of how that works. But he's claiming that he's a Jew, so he can't be a Nazi. And that's just simply not true. That's just simply not true. And, and you know, history is the judge of whether that comment is based in any kind of logic or is it just merely propaganda to try to whitewash the people that Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, has been uh, collaborating with? Because the Nazis had their collaborators, their Jewish collaborators, their, their uh, European other nations in Europe that were collaborating, you know, your French collaborators. As I think I pointed out on social media in a post once before, when I look at uh, African-Americans, people of African descent in the United States that are descendants of victims of slavery, we've had our collaborators and what have you. Um, yeah, it was a few collaborators that fought on the side of the Confederacy. One man in particular from South Carolina who who owned victims of slavery was victimizing people himself. So, so, but for Zelensky and the media to try to use his Jewishness to try to whitewash um, the Nazi white supremacist elements in the Ukrainian government and specifically its military. It's just it's just atrocious. But they have this is their culture, a culture that emerged after World War Two. And this is all laid out um, in this documentary, Ukraine on Fire, made in 2016, which was after the 2014 so-called color revolution, which was the United States back coup with Joe Biden running point for the Obama administration. Wow, you know, they were just bringing up, you go back to the 2020 election, uh, Biden versus Trump, which Biden did beat Trump. He he did. Uh, Trump is lying um, when he's talking about this, this rigged election and, and what have you. Um, but they were making an issue, and I think it came up somewhat in the Democratic primary, but not much. But anyway, of Hunter Biden with no experience in the energy sector, who is over there sitting on the boards, getting paid by Ukrainian, what's this buzzword that everybody's using now? Oligarchs, which simply means billionaire, very wealthy people. You know, we have American billionaires and what, and what have you. But if, if it had been known in someone's oppositional research, but they was keeping it on the down low because they was for it or didn't want to go up against the forces of the neo, the partnership between the neoliberals and neoconservatives in the Democrat and Republican Party. But they didn't bring up the fact that they were arming, funding, 
and did a coup of the democratically elected president of Ukraine. So what if they describe them in terms of pro-Russia, half the country is Russian or identifies Russian, speak Russian. And so maybe they voted in enough Western, um, uh, largely Polish descendant Ukrainians. Maybe enough of them voted for um, what was his name? Yushchenko. That's probably not his name. Uh, uh, they'll mention his name. But anyway, he won an election. There was no dispute or any allegations except from one person, Hillary Clinton, of any kind of electoral fraud, except from the people who lost, of course. But by it, the international community largely looked at those as free, so-called free and fair elections, as they say. And they didn't like the outcome. So three years into the, the uh, quote-unquote pro-president's term, pro-Russian president's term, this coup is staged. Utilizing Nazis as agent provocateurs who killed way more police than was killed on January the 6th in Washington, D.C. In that insurrection. Which, again, if you watch this film, which I highly recommend you watch this film, all the way they laid out that coup, the way they plotted and planned, used social media, uh, got people out in the street, the same elements, the right-wing elements, it's the very same playbook they tried to pull from and do on January the 6th is what they did in Ukraine. It's laid out in this documentary by Oliver Stone. So that's 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 what um, I'll be discussing here for the next maybe two hours. If you would like to ask me a question, if you have a comment, you can give me a call at 626-213-5779. That's 626-213-5779. But we'll be focusing mostly tonight on the silence of the slaughtered, you know, lambs in the Ukraine. Now, Dave was supposed to join me tonight, but he was unable to for whatever reasons. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. But do check out that last podcast that we did. And, you know, in preparation for tonight, I had asked him, you know, what was a couple of articles you might share and he sent me a couple of items so I'm going to go ahead and share them and um, give you my thoughts on what he shared um, Moscow and I always give the sources SputnikNews.com which is a a Russian um, subsidized news outlet no different than any other the subsidized news outlets that the United States has all over the world but Moscow vows strong response to U.S. sanctions that will be painful for Washington. Um, the U.S. introduced a new round of sanctions against Russia after President Vladimir Putin on Monday recognized the, the uh, Donetsk and Lusk People's Republics in Donbass. So y'all forgive my pronunciation um, I don't speak Russian or Ukrainian and haven't had much time to even practice 
uh, pronouncing these names, but those are the, and, and I'm going to stop right there because this situation, this conflict could be settled right now. It's this simple. It's this simple. Let the, let the Western Ukraine, which used to be part of Poland, which was Eastern Poland, um, after the breakup of Germany and, and its possessions, because Ukraine was a German protectorate, it was part of the, uh, uh, you know, the Nazi alliance and what have you. But when they settled it, the Allies settled it, meaning the United States and Russia settled it, and they made Ukraine... It was like half of Poland or portions of Poland was lumped in with with some areas of um, the, what they're calling now East Ukraine. These Russian-speaking people that's lived there thousands of years, been settled there, but they identify nationally as Ukrainian, but culturally and linguistically, they're Russians. Just like we have Spanish-speaking People here in the United States, Italian speakers, Japanese speakers, Chinese Americans, and, and all of that. So it's like they're trying to, and, and I'm going to apply the lamb label to the Russian-speaking people in the East who are Eastern Ukrainians. It's like they don't, their side don't even exist. Facebook, Twitter, they are calling Anybody who gets on from that area, that geolocation, because they know where the pe people is tweeting from or what computer they're on, where what region of the world they're connected to the Internet from, unless it's hackers, of course, and they can bounce it around. But they're just blanketly banning all the activists and, and advocates from that part of Ukraine, the Eastern Russians, just totally silencing them. Zuckerberg, um, I know the, the Twitter guy just stepped down. What was his name? Jack Dorsey. And I think he used to work for British intelligence. No, I don't think I, I know this for a fact. At one time, he worked for UK intelligence. Social media is a intelligence operation. Corporations in partnership with government we have fascism here in the united states by the definition of fascism the partnership between private entities private corporations which of course are are it made up of individuals actors but with government and they're helping the united states these corporations are helping the united states to target Russian outlets, Russian people. I heard that even a crowd of people, you know, you got hockey, Russians good playing hockey, a professional hockey. I think it was in Canada. I could be wrong. It might have been in, in, in Washington, the state of Washington. And they booed this Russian player. Because they're all under mind control to be Russophobic right about now. And it's just, you know, from an intellectual, from an intellectual point of view, it's just fascinating to watch what I've read about just constantly be put into practice and it works. It works. 
because they shut down alternative voices real quick or they try to delegitimize. They ban and they censor. So I don't have to tell, I shouldn't have to tell uh, my my uh, black audience any of this about social media networks, how they practice racism and uphold white supremacy and silencing, you know, black and other non-white voices. So that this this is what's going on. So it goes on to say there should be no doubts the sanctions will result in a strong response. Not necessarily symmetric, but well calculated and painful for the American side, the foreign ministry said in a statement. Moscow also stressed that the American sanctions policy is counterproductive, but that it has also become a reflex for Washington. That's what they reflexively slap sanctions on them. You know, people try to try to uh, say Trump was all buddy-buddy with, with Putin and didn't do nothing. He slapped sanctions on, on Russia. He agreed to the sanctions that was proposed and slapped them. Forget what he said about him, any personal admiration he has for Putin or whatnot, but he did agree to those sanctions. So he slapped sanctions on them. So they always slapping sanctions on any target country. You know, Venezuela probably still under sanctions. That is a weapon of war. It's not done in a democratic manner. It's not like there's some world court, you know, not even at the UN where you can go and they have to prove a case against you or why the world should participate in sanctioning you or kicking you off swift, the banking system. No, no, you know, you don't get to a facial accusers in a court of law with a judge who is objective, who is neutral, who is hopefully grounded in getting at the truth and producing justice. That's not what we have. They just slap sanctions. We're seeing all these sanctions on billionaires and they're making a big show of, of, of taking their yachts and what have you. Go take Jeff Bezos' yacht and pay the workers that he's been robbing to pay for his big super yachts and trips into outer space or or the stratosphere. You think about the, the hunt past 100 years that U.S. best corporations, the damage they have done, the regime change they have brought about by getting the U.S. government to do these coups in these South American countries. That's how Hawaii became a state. They seized it. And it's all done on the behalf of like the Dole Corporation. Now, I can't think of some of the old 1950s corporations that was dominating, but they're, they may have changed their names, but they're still the same players, still the same families. All the murder and mayhem they have spread throughout the globe in the name of their business interests and the U.S. government rubber stamps it and calls it U.S. interests. U.S. interest, that stands for the United States, U.S. United States interest, not us or not our, 
Now, they ain't talking about us, us interests. No, they talking about the greedy politicians with their hands in, in the teal in these corporations. That's who they're talking about. So the statement came in response to um, simply the U.S. I mean, excuse me, Russia. I was about to call them the USSR, and it doesn't even exist anymore. Something I learned um, from doing some research today and listening to these different voices that Russia's not even communist anymore. It's not. How can you have oligarchs? And be straight up communist. That that that's not logical. They stopped being communists in the nineties. That's what Gorbachev with Perestroika. That's what that was signaling. That now they was gonna have elections. But of course, the United States always claims they're rigged. Every election is rigged. That the people that they're supporting, the party uh, uh, wings that they're supporting aren't winning elections. So they then try to invalidate it in the court of uh, public opinion with their mass media production and their corporate partners in the news media. And then they're threatening sanctions and threatening invasions and doing invasions and assassinating people as Lindsey Graham uh, today uh, called for the assassination of Putin. So, what are some of the ways that might hit us? It's kind of it's kind of vague, but I'm already seeing the punt the uh, pinch at the pump. Gas was light for a mid level eighty nine grade gas. Maybe two weeks ago, I was paying uh, three dollars and let's just say twenty five cent. Today. $4.19 a gallon. And it's only going to go up. The oil barons are not going to miss the opportunity to, gou to gouge the world by raising the prices. They'll claim the capitalist, you know, excuse of supply and demand. Now that we've taken this Russian uh, oil off the market that causes the gas to go up for everybody. That's how capitalism works. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be feeling it. Gas goes up, prices go up on, on everything else. And that's on top of the inflation that they say we're in here in the United States. So, time to prepare. The other uh, item that Dave sent me the other item that Dave sent me was a tweet from Dmitry Medvedev. Medvedev. Yeah, Dmitry is like the second, the right-hand man of Putin is the way Dave described him to me. Uh, he's an official uh, Russian. I think he's like Secretary of State, something like that. I, I forget his exact title. He might be the president. I, the, I don't know. But today, he put this on Twitter. Today, some French ministers have said, and it looks like, yeah, we're getting, again, trouble with Blog Talk Radio. So y'all excuse me that's listening on the Black Talk Radio stream as I get um, reconnected. 
It's showing me as connected. But I think that I am being censored, and、um, whatever point you got cut off on Blog Talk Radio,、uh, we will be uploading the、uh, podcast as this is being recorded on our Black Talk Radio、uh, station. The thing is, though, I won't be able to play those clips on that board, and I won't be able to take your phone calls. So here, yeah, here we go again with the same issue that caused me.、Um, To have to、um, cancel the 10 o'clock show. Same issue, but we're going to keep going.、Um, I do have those clips up. So, first thing that I'm going to do is start off with a Morning Joe.、Um, you know, they had a highlights. Morning Joe is MSNBC. Which is particularly egregious in its one sided presentation of the conflict, and not just the fact that most mainstream media in the West, including Britain, France, you know, Europe,、uh, everybody that's allied against Russia, as if they're up against the you know, former Soviet Union with all of these different satellite states. No, it's just Russia now. Yeah, they do got to stockpile of nuclear weapons, and you know, they have put their people on, on high alert. And I was reading an article earlier today about why Putin is so paranoid. And it's not paranoia that's rooted in any kind of delusion, but when you're looking at regime change at the regime change at the regime change. All over the planet. He was particularly upset with what happened to Muammar Gaddafi, how he was dragged through the streets by, by、uh, jihadist militias that the CIA had supported. Saw Hillary Clinton laugh about him being murdered、uh, at, at the start of the conflict or the escalation, saying, We can't, Hillary Clinton saying, We can't wait till you capture him and kill him. Yeah. Again, hearkening to Lindsey Graham, who was、um, saying that I don't, it looks like I got a call, but I can't take the call because I won't be able to hear him. But Lindsey Graham called for the murder today.、Um, let me see if I can hear this person. Okay, this person's hung, hung up. They w a s calling in because we lost the audio. So. Blog Talk Radio, you can claim that this is a coincidence, but two times in a row, you know, and then the topic of the broadcast and, and I guess listening in to what I'm saying to cause me these problems. This is just shameful, shameful behavior, undemocratic, and outright offensive, especially with me as a paying、uh, customer. This is disgusting behavior. Censorship. This is what fascists do. So, let me continue on with our Black Talk Radio,、um, digital radio stream audience. All right. So, let me go ahead and just shut this down. We'll end that episode. And we'll talk among ourselves, Black Talk Radio fam.、Um, Let me go ahead and、uh, pull up Google Voice. 
And if you would like to uh, ask a question or comment, you can give us a call at 704-817-2161. That's 704-817-2161. Or you can also text us to the same number. So let me go ahead and play this Morning Joe propaganda clip. This was uh, March 4th. This morning, uh, taken from some of his highlights and pay particular attention to some of the things that they're going to talk about because we are going to debunk that. We're going to debunk that. But before I do that, let me go ahead and take a station identification break. And then once we do that, we'll get into this clip. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. In a new development overnight, Russian forces now control Europe's largest nuclear plant after shelling the facility located in southern Ukraine. One of the power station's six reactors caught fire. A spokesman for the plant said the reactor is under renovation but does have nuclear fuel inside. Ukraine's foreign minister tweeted, if it blows up, it will be 10 times larger than Chernobyl. Russians must immediately cease the fire, allow firefighters to establish a security zone. The plant had been inaccessible because firefighters were being shot at. No essential equipment was damaged, and the U.N. now says no radioactive material was released. Ukrainian President Zelensky pleaded with Europeans and their leaders to, quote, wake up, saying in part, we need to stop the Russian military immediately. Scream at your politicians. Ukraine has 15 nuclear power blocks. If there is an explosion, it is the end for all of us. The end of Europe, he said. Evacuation of Europe. Only immediate actions of Europe can stop the Russian military. Do not let Europe die from a nuclear catastrophe, end quote. Zelensky also spoke with President Biden and with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who said he will call for an emergency meeting now of the U.N. Security Council this morning. NBC mm-hmm. News Chief Foreign Correspondent Richard Engel joins us from Kiev. Richard, good morning. What more can you tell us about this nuclear plant and how close to danger Ukraine and all of Europe really was last night? So, uh, first, before I get to that, I'm at the train station here in Kiev, and we've been seeing people rushing to this station this morning, trying to get out of the city. Uh, There is some confusion here. The people aren't paying any tickets, so the trains are just running, but it's not a, people aren't sure exactly uh, where the trains are running, which tracks they should get on, which trains they should get on, but they're arriving with their families, with their parents, with their grandparents, with their pets, and they are getting on any train that will go west. Now, this is the second time that we've had a nuclear scare throughout this conflict. The first time was when there was fighting by the Chernobyl site, which was the the former reactor, of course, that suffered that terrible meltdown. Uh, And now there was fighting at a working nuclear power plant and and a building going going up in flames uh, right next to it. Uh, According to uh, U.S. officials, they're not seeing any radiation leak, but Ukrainian officials are warning 
that every time there is fighting by one of these nuclear facilities and you have uh, you have close fighting artillery coming in, uh, that there is a serious danger that one of the facilities could be could be damaged, destroyed, and it would have consequences for this country and, and all around the world, particularly Europe. And yeah, as you say, Richard, it was an adjacent building. The fire has been put out, but perilously close to that nuclear reactor. And yesterday, Richard, President Zelensky held a press conference. He called for a face-to-face -face meeting with Vladimir Putin. I want to show our viewers what you asked Zelensky. You just mentioned that you want to talk to Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has so far not been willing to meet with him. Do you have a message for him now that Ukrainian cities are under attack. It's not about I want to talk with Putin. I think I have to talk with Putin. The world has to talk with Putin because there are no other ways to stop this war. That's why I have to. First of all, Richard, extraordinary circumstances. There are a sandbag bunker for that press conference. Do you expect Zelensky to actually meet with Vladimir Putin? Well, Vladimir Putin has made it quite clear he is not interested in meeting with Zelensky, that he considers Zelensky a neo-Nazi fascist leader, uh, which is a, a particularly insulting, uh, uh, insulting remark considering Zelensky is Jewish. And just the other day, one of the Russian attacks fell on a, uh, on a site where 33,000 Jews were murdered during the Holocaust, a Holocaust memorial. Uh, but Zelensky says... All right, I stopped it right there. Uh, it, the clip was actually a lot longer, but that's all I needed to hear because that's a good lead-in. Now, again, this is typical of what you're hearing on most mainstream media, okay? This is typical of what, what you normally hear in that same script. Talking about Zelensky, uh, is half Jewish or part Jewish, so he can't be a Nazi. But as I stated in the opening of the broadcast, he could certainly be a collaborator. And some of the German soldiers were also had Jewish moms and German dads and, and fought in the German army. Now, some of them was, was because... Um, they were trying to protect their family members, their mothers, their grandmothers to keep them from being put in the camps. I saw a documentary where the Nazis uh, had sent these half Jewish German soldiers, these Jewish German soldiers sent their parents to a camp in Poland. I think it was matter of fact. Yeah, it was in the East sent them East. That would be Poland. And forced these people to write letters to their soldier son in the German army. Like they were still alive and then they killed these people. And then they would give these letters to the soldiers, the half Jewish soldiers that they done murdered their parents. But want to keep them still fighting and thinking they're alive and, and what have you. So it was different circumstances. You might think that a black person, especially an African American, could never fight for the Confederacy. You that appall that's appalling the black people. Most black people are African Americans. We don't want to believe it. But it was some. Because they had earned their freedom and they were enslaving people and they were wealthy and they wanted to keep their wealth. 
again, we're we we only talking about a couple of individuals that we can count on one hand. Victims of slavery being forced to fight, which the Confederate Army never really used, but the few that were forced, they were used as laborers, servants out on the battlefield, things of that nature. They weren't really Confederate soldiers. They were conscripted. So any, anyway, for him to try, for them to use that weak argument, it like it angers me because it's like you playing on my intelligence. Like I don't read, but guess what? They're not playing on my intelligence or people who do read, especially history. Oh, and read, watch these documentaries, know a little something about you know what's what's going on in the world in the past two hundred years. From a United States perspective, but also going on with the rest of the globe during that time period. But they're playing on the uneducated, misinformed ignorance of the masses. They don't know these things. They're too busy in the rat race. They a lot of people don't have time. They don't have leisure time to to read. Others choose not to. It's so much easier to turn on the television and tune in to one of the alphabet networks that sold sold the American public on too many wars to name. So they're saying, and then they want to say that, I saw another story, CNN said that Ukrainian engineers at this nuclear plant were being forced at gunpoint to work. That don't make sense to me. Do you mean to tell me that if I was a Ukrainian engineer working at Chernobyl in this nuclear facility and it's about to melt down that somebody's got to force me to do it? I guess who's holding them at gunpoint? Uh, uh, Presumably the Russians, right? Or that's what they want you to think. I don't know. But that doesn't make sense to me. Why would you have to force an engineer to prevent a nuclear meltdown? It's going to kill him, his family. Any, it's going to kill the whole region. So I, I, I don't trust that, that report. And then we hear that from MSNBC Morning Joe, they just said it was a building adjacent to the nuclear plant that was on fire. The plant wasn't on fire. So CNN lied. They were forcing Ukrainian engineers to stop this, to work on the plant and keep it from melting down while being shot at by who though? That that story it, it it makes no sense. But then also to then say that a bomb or whatever explosive device ordinance fell near this Jewish Holocaust memorial. Well, what I didn't hear that that man say was, well, who killed them Jews that you had this memorial to in Ukraine? Let's hear a little bit more about that. You mean to tell me that 
the Ukrainians collaborated with the Nazis during World War II, and they had militias that killed people, killed Jewish people, rounding them up, and murdered them. Say so they didn't go into that part. Why? And most people won't ask that question. Why is there a Jewish monument to victims of the Holocaust in Ukraine? What happened? What happened there? Most people won't ask that question. And these people, and, and to manipulate, to, to manipulate their memory and what happened to them, to pretend like, first of all, we don't know who shot the artillery shell. This is a war zone. Stuff get destroyed. Haven't you seen what NATO did to Libya, what it did to Iraqi citizens and what have you? I mean, Iraqi cities. That's that stuff going to happen, right? But to make it seem like they intentionally, Putin's intentionally, because they got to personalize it to Putin, right? No, no, nobody else. This is all Putin. Everybody in the military, Putin sent down orders and said, blow up that Jewish monument. This is what they have you believe. This is the ridiculous things that are being said on mainstream media. And because they got good diction and they got their university journalist, you know, degrees getting paid tens of thousands a year, if not some of these anchors, I call them performance artists, making millions. To lie. They don't lie about everything. But they're always pro whatever the U.S. State Department is saying about another country. They engage in the name calling. They did it to the Venezuelan leader, Chavez. Oh, he's just the worst on this earth. Maduro. Oh, we got to invade. We got to invade the, the, the elections, even though you they use fingerprints for your election and you get a receipt. So the most, Jimmy Carter described it as some of the most secured elections in the world, if not the most, in Venezuela and the United States talking about it was because Maduro won against the right wing elements in Venezuela. Talking about doing the coup. Get their right wing thugs in Venezuela, start attacking people in the street. Then the military or the police are forced to respond. And then it's, oh, they're attacking their own people. And this is the people. How many times is this going to work on you? How many times? Jesus, they got to be laughing. They just keep recycling the same old, same old over and over. And, and the majority of the masses keep falling for it. But, so they will have you believe that all this stuff about Nazis in the Ukraine is just Putin, a Putin talking point. He making this up. Go watch Ukraine on Fire, which was made in 2016, produced by Oliver Stone. I forget the... Uh, female writer's name but go look it up before they take it down it's on YouTube they're already putting up 
uh, warning signs on it talking about some viewers find this to be offensive. Yeah, I do find it offensive that the United States helped Ukrainian Nazis guilty of heinous war crimes, mass murder, uh, escape the Nuremberg trials. Now, this was made in 2016 by an American. This is from the, that documentary. This is a clip that I have titled Ukrainian White Supremacist Roots. This is clip number one has been the pathway for Western powers as they attempted to conquer the East in World War I and World War II. And every time, the Ukrainian people ended up paying the highest price for these grand games of power. History doesn't repeat, but it surely rhymes, said Mark Twain. If one looks closely at the history of Ukraine, one will notice many rhymes. Being surrounded by stronger powers, Ukraine has needed a lot of cunning to survive, and the art they truly mastered with time is the art of changing sides. In the middle of the 17th century, Ukrainian leader Bogdan Hmelnitsky broke a truce agreement made with Poland, siding with more powerful Russia. Just over 50 years later, as the Russian-Swedish war was raging, another Ukrainian leader, Ivan Mazepa, broke the union with Russia when he switched sides, joining forces with the Swedish invaders. Many times, Ukrainian history was written by third parties. Seeking to keep the gains of a revolution at any cost, Russia agreed to the humiliating conditions of the Brest-Litovsk Treaty of 1918 which turned Ukraine into a German protectorate. Another historical document that changed the fate of Ukraine was the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact of 1939, one of many such agreements being signed between European countries and rising Germany. Attempting to protect his nation from the approaching Nazi threat, Joseph Stalin negotiated a treaty of non-aggression with Adolf Hitler. While promising each other peace, the Soviet and German foreign ministers Molotov and Ribbentrop realigned the map of Eastern Europe, splitting it into German and Soviet spheres of influence. No sooner had the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact been signed than Poland was split. And in September of 1939, Eastern Poland awoke to be Western Ukraine and a part of the family of Soviet republics and the USSR. But even this bold dividing of lands and nations only delayed the inevitable. Germany broke its promise to the USSR. On June 22, 1941, Germany invaded the USSR, launching Barbarossa the largest military operation in world history. Barbarossa was aiming for St. Petersburg, Moscow, and Kiev, Ukraine. Three destinations of major significance. Ukraine, with its rich lands and resources, was an important industrial and economic source for the USSR 
To cut it off from the Soviet Union would strike a big blow indeed. For most of the Soviet Union, the Second World War was about fighting the invaders of their land. But it wasn't quite so simple for Ukraine. The truth is, Ukraine has never been a united country. When World War II broke out, a large part of Western Ukraine's population welcomed the German soldiers as liberators from the recently forced upon them Soviet rule and openly collaborated with the Germans. The real scale of collaboration was not announced for many years after the war, but we now know that whole divisions and battalions were formed by Ukrainian collaborators, such as SS Galitsyan, Noktigal, and Roland battalions. Just in the beginning of the war, more than 80,000 people from Galicina region voluntarily enrolled into Division SS Galitsyan in a month and a half notorious for their extreme cruelty towards the Polish, Jewish, and Russian people on the territory of Ukraine. Members of these military groups came mostly from the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, the OUN, founded in 1929. This organization had an ultimate goal of creating an ethnically pure, independent Ukraine, and considered terror an acceptable tool for achieving their ends. Their official flag was black and red, land and blood. It will remain in Ukraine's history long after the OUN will cease to exist. In early 1940, the most radical nationalistic part of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists got its own leader, Stepan Bandera. Severely anti-Semitic and anti-communist, he proclaimed an independent Ukraine in 1941. His German allies frowned upon such an act of self-will and it landed him in prison for nearly all the Second World War. Not participating in the events physically, Bandera still managed to successfully spread his ideology. Many independent historians estimate that the OUN militia exterminated from 150 to 200,000 Jews on Ukrainian territory occupied by the Germans by the end of 1941. The most notorious and outrageous massacre took place September 29th and 30th, 1941, in Babiar, Kiev. All kikes of the city of Kiev and its vicinity must appear on Monday, September 29th, by 8 o'clock in the morning. Bring documents, money, and valuables, and also warm clothing, linen, etc. Any kikes who do not follow this order and are found elsewhere will be shot. 33,771 Jews were killed in this two-day operation of the Nazis and Ukrainian militia. Another outrageous massacre was carried out by the Ukrainian insurgent army and the Bandera faction of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists in German-occupied Polish Volhynia and Eastern Galicia between 1943 and 1944. This genocide of Poles was led by Mykola Lebed. 35,000 to 60,000 people in Volhynia and 25 to 40,000 in Eastern Galicia fell victim to this massive ethnic cleansing operation. Sensing the inevitable loss of the German troops, the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists gave up on their former ally and began fighting equally against the Germans and the Soviet forces. 
In January 1943, USSR troops started pushing the Nazis back, liberating one part of Ukraine after another. Western Ukraine was the last Ukrainian region held by the Germans, finally being liberated in October of 1944. Bandera's bands continued to wage their guerrilla war against the Soviet regime, carrying out bloody raids on Ukrainian villages and towns, and leaving behind chaos and casualties. This war went on until the middle of the 1950s, when the last collaborators were either detained or fled the country. On May 7, 1945, Germany unconditionally surrendered to the Allies. Ukraine remained a part of the Soviet Union. The peace after the Second World War was short-lived. The United States and the Soviet Union, nations who allied together along with England to defeat the Nazis, tragically became foes as the Cold War began. All right, so that, that was uh, clip one. Again, that was taken from the documentary by Oliver Stone made in 2016. 2016, how timely is it, is this film in 2022 for those that want to be informed from an objective source? So this is why they have that monument to the Jewish victims of the Holocaust in Ukraine. Murdered, raped, and robbed by Ukrainian militias. And then we have U.S. media, French media, British media, European media whitewashing this history. Whitewashing this history. We got Zelensky who alleges that he's half Jewish selling out these people and using them as a, a prop, a propaganda prop. Oh, look at the Russians. Putin is trying to destroy our monument to the Jews, and he's calling me a Nazi and, and, uh, and a fascist and all of this, and I'm half Jewish, so I certainly couldn't be, but you're a collaborator. It is well documented, the Nazis militias, Ukrainian militias who are white nationalists, all this is documented, were integrated into the Ukrainian military in 2014 because they helped the United States put put their puppets in power in, in the Ukraine, again, with Joe Biden running point. Hunter probably doing some background work while getting paid on an energy board, something he didn't even have experience. He might have been, Hunter was probably working for the CIA as well. Who knows? I'm sure they knew all about what Hunter was doing. And I'm sure that Joe Biden knew what happened in that 2014 coup, who the principal players were, who were attacking destroying government buildings, government property, killing police officers, beating them. Again, you know, you look at what happened in Ukraine in 2014 to overthrow their democratically elected uh, 
president three years at, you know into his term, and you look at what happened here in the United States. January 6, 2021, with the assault on the nation's capital, attempts to take Congress members hostage, the erecting of a hangman's, um, what do they call those? They don't call them guillotines. That's the French, French uh, execution method. But the gallows, yeah, erected some gallows and chanting, hey, Mike Pence, all based on, on a lie. With agent provocateurs among them, some of them facing uh, seditious charges. I heard that, I read that the first person um, has been convicted. He pled guilty to sedition. Of course, he's going to turn state witness against his co-conspirators in the quote-unquote, Proud Boys and, and the other militias that were involved. It, it's like Trump said, you know what? Since I've been president and I've read the playbook on what y'all did in the Ukraine, I'm going to try that right here at home. Chickens came, came home to roost. Then you... People talking about they're Christians and they don't understand the principles of reaping and sowing. Man. So. That's why that's the history, the silencing of the history of the slaughter of these lambs. They're being thrown under the bus, used as propaganda props. As if Putin ordered the destruction, as if the Russians are the anti-Semites. Wow. You you watch that documentary, you should never, ever look at the alphabet networks the same way again. Of course, they can't lie about everything. They got to be truthful on some things. Especially when it's in their interest. Trump attacked not only the U.S. government, but corporate media. So, now, these Nazis, have, they even have, they mentioned the guy Stefan Bandera. They even have monuments to him. Now, if a monument, if a monument to this Nazi collaborator this Ukrainian Nazi, if the statue of him got blowed up by the Russians, would you think the, the Western media is going to cover that? Oh, the statue of Stephen Bandero, the Ukrainian Nazi national hero, whom we give awards in his names and have erected monuments to, was destroyed by Putin. You think that would be a headline? No. No, they wouldn't mention it at all because they're trying to deflect you away from that information and they're censoring those that will share the, share this information with you. Let's go ahead and jump jump into part two. 
But I do have a correction. I said that Ukraine didn't really become a nation as we know it today until after World War II, but it was actually during World War II, um, right before it popped off or or during the midst of it with the non-aggression pact signed between Stalin and Hitler. And as the, you know, clip stated, uh, they attacked Russia anyway. But anyway, they said that in this non-aggression, Eastern Poland became part of Ukraine, became Western Ukraine. So what was Eastern Ukraine? It was always Russian, wasn't it? That's why so many Russian speakers there. Again, this is the information that is not being shared with, with people all over the world, especially here in the United States. It's not being shared. It's critical information, especially if you're going to be out here supporting one side or the other. There are no sides in, in wars. Everybody loses. Yeah, some people get rich. Some sick, evil people become extremely wealthy, and they get to four times satiate their bloodlust. Looking at you, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but but for the most part, the rest of us lose. So let's go in in the part two about these Nazis that mainstream media is saying don't exist. This is part two. Ukrainian white supremacist roots. The era of political and military tension between the U.S. and the USSR lasted for nearly 45 years, keeping humanity under the constant threat of nuclear war. In this battle, the United States never lost sight of Ukraine's importance. U.S. intelligence kept a close eye on Ukrainian nationalist organizations as a possible source of counterintelligence against the Soviet Union. CIA documents that just recently have been declassified show strong ties between U.S. intelligence and Ukrainian nationalists since 1946. From the CIA agency report, it is clear that they were not mistaken about the nature of Ukrainian nationalist organizations or their leader, Stepan Bandera himself. According to an OSS report of September 1945, Bandera had earned a fierce reputation for conducting a reign of terror during World War II. After the Second World War, Bandera and other Ukrainian Nazi leaders fled to Europe where the CIA helped them hide. The CIA later informed the Immigration and Naturalization Service that it had concealed Stefan Bandera and other Ukrainians from the Soviets. The operations involving Ukrainians continued for many years. The Nuremberg trials of 1945 and 1946 brought the political, economic, and military leaders of fascist Germany to justice and revealed to the world the monstrous face of Nazism and the crimes they committed. But the Ukrainian Nazis were spared the same fate, and some were even granted indulgences by the CIA. By 1954, the agency excused the illegal activities of the OUN security branch in the name of Cold War necessity. In 1949, Mykola Lebed, 
the man responsible for the massacres in Volinia was moved to the United States, where he died in 1989 without ever being investigated or pursued as a war criminal. The CIA moved to protect Ukrainian nationalist leader Mykola Lebed from criminal investigation by the Immigration and Naturalization Service in 1952. Perhaps Bondera lost his use to the U.S., or maybe KGB agents outsmarted the CIA. But in 1959, Stepan Bondera, the leader of the Ukrainian nationalists, was killed in Munich, where he was hiding under the name of Stefan Popol. It would be fair to say that Bondera became a major symbol of Ukrainian nationalism by sheer chance, for he was neither its only leader nor its most powerful one. Dmitro Donsov was the father of the far-right totalitarian doctrine in Ukraine. Andriy Melnik was the leader of another faction of the OUN. Roman Shuhevich was a general of the Ukrainian insurgent army, and others contributed greatly to the movement. Bondera's dangerous ideology, suppressed by the communist authorities, but supported by external forces, never really died. The seeds of Ukrainian nationalism were passed from generation to generation. Unfortunately, it was just a matter of time before they would once again blossom. In 1954, Ukraine's territory was expanded even more when Nikita Khrushchev, the leader of the USSR, and a Ukrainian himself, generously gave the Crimean region to Ukraine. Historians would argue about the legitimacy of this transfer for many years to come, and 60 years after Khrushchev's gift, dramatic new events would take place in Crimea. The eyes of the world are on Ukraine as the crisis in Crimea continues. Dozens of heavily armed men seized government buildings in Crimea. Should Ukraine just shrug its shoulders and say, okay, Crimea, it's lost? And the old arguments would heat up once again. The Cold War would heat up and cool down by turns, while both rivals were obsessively building up military capacity. The turning point took place when the new era, Perestroika, came to the USSR with its new leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, in the middle of the 1980s. Perestroika meant restructuring towards liberalization and democratization. It certainly had a positive impact on the international situation. Well, astonishing news from East Germany, where the East German authorities have said, in essence, that the Berlin Wall doesn't mean anything anymore. But inside the USSR, the weakening of Kremlin control had different consequences. In Ukraine, a nationalistic political organization, Narodny Ruch, or People's Movement, emerged in 1989 due to this new openness. They advocated for independence of Ukraine from the USSR and became an incubator for leaders of Ukrainian neo-Nazism. In 1991, one of them, Oleg Tyagnibok, founded Svoboda, an openly radical nationalist party preaching the good old principles of Bandera. Purge Ukraine from the Jews and Russians, Ukraine for Ukrainians, and so on. His statements got him fifth place in the Simon Wiesenthal Center Top 10 Anti-Semitic World Leader Rankings of 2012. But also, sadly, attracted numerous followers. 
Dmitry Yarosh founded another extreme right organization, Trizu, or Trident, in 1994. In April 2013, Yarosh became an assistant to a member of parliament from the opposition party Udar. Later that same year, he would become the leader of the most radical Ukrainian Nazi group, the Right Sector. Andriy Parubi would soon appear leading a whole army of ultra-nationalist warriors. And the torch marches would once again light up the streets of Ukrainian cities. drastically changed in August 1991 when the USSR de facto ceased to exist and the global political map welcomed many newcomers, Ukraine one of them. In modern history it was the first time Ukraine was truly independent and all on its own. The red flag came down over the Kremlin tonight as President Gorbachev resigned and brought to an end seven decades of communist rule in the Soviet Union. The years after the disintegration of the USSR became known as the crazy 90s in all the post-Soviet territories. He's leaving behind 15 independent states which share only a disastrous economy and an uncertain future. After having been under a government-controlled economy, the free market dramatically changed the rules of the game. New businesses emerged instantly, and the first oligarchs were born overnight. All right, that's the end of that clip. Again, these clips will not do this film justice. So, But we get up into the 90s where, again, we keep hearing that Russia's communists, and that was the end of communism with perestroika. And they've had elections ever since. This is what de defines democracy, right? Whether or not the people have the right to vote and can elect their own leaders. So, of course, it doesn't serve the, the U.S. war machine effort, the military-industrial complex, to not call them communists. Gotta keep that old Cold War programming in effect. You know, I was talking to, to this to this white uh, guy that I know here in Gaston County. I was talking to him about some of this on the phone the other day. And he was telling me, you know, he's probably about in his 50s, maybe even 60s. But he was telling me he was raised to hate Russians. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's safe to say and accurate to say that most white Americans were raised to hate two things, and that was black people, or let's just say non-white people, because they hated you know anything that wasn't classified, anyone not classified as white. And the history shows they they oppressed those people, and to hate communists or quote unquote socialists, but mainly communists. So it's not surprising to me that millions upon millions, tens of millions, who knows, over 100 million 
um, people in the United States will just fall susceptible so easily to this russophobic propaganda and not do their research, not have access to this historical information because it's not being shared on mainstream uh, media. Very few YouTube channels are able to get the the truth out. And, you know, I kind of feel like I can't prove it, but I kind of feel like uh, our simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, which was cut short after 30 minutes, was on purpose. There is a concerted effort to censor the opposing view of since we have a Democratic president or a Democrat for a president, we'll say the neoliberal agenda. So this is just so very sad, man, that we're on the brink of another world war, which could be, as they would say, nuclear war one. You have a nuclear, global nuclear war one. I don't think there's going to be another one. I, I really don't because we'll all be dead or dying. Civilization, as we know it, will cease to exist. These are the stakes. But the intent of this program was tonight was to focus on a specific point that's being made by Western media by a suspected racist that Nazis don't exist in the Ukraine. They don't practice white supremacy. See, all of this information should show you why those African students were were not put on the back of the bus but told they couldn't even get on the bus. And I'm seeing people make excuses to me. Oh, that was the police who did that. That's what Sean King said. I'm so disappointed in Sean King as a journalist because he seems to, you know, be focused on helping these African students, but he's also pushing MSM propaganda talking points and saying that Russia's committing thousands of war crimes. Show me these thousands of war crimes that you're talking about. What's the evidence? Are you talking about that building they got destroyed? Dude, where was this energy from you when Iraq was being destroyed? Where Did you have the same energy when Libya was being destroyed? All I mean, all the entire infrastructure. All these civilians being murdered. Thousands, thousands. They say a million died in Iraq. There'll never be an accurate body count of how many died in Libya because of U.S. regime change. And siding again, not this time, not with white supremacist militias like they have in the Ukraine, but with Arab supremacists, jihadists, Islamists. Now, Libya is a training ground for them. And Ukraine has been a training ground for white supremacists from all over the world. There's a call out. There's articles out now by white supremacists, far right groups from all over the world are going to the Ukraine to help them fight Russians. 
I'm telling you as a black person, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. My survival is not on the line here. I have done my research, looked at the history, and I have determined that the easy solution to this conflict is to give Eastern Ukraine back to Poland, make it part of Poland. All right? And the two areas that they want to remain independent, recognize them as independent new states, new countries. And if they choose, let them join, uh, become back part of Russia, which they have historically always been a part of. It's, it's, it's good. It's a blessing and it's a curse to have information, have accurate information. Because who doesn't feel good about knowing they put in the work before they came to whatever conclusions. As opposed to somebody who's just being led by the nose by people with an agenda that doesn't align with justice or world peace for that matter. Why? I don't even know if we should even be asking why people do these things. Because we'll never, I don't think we'll ever figure out why. Greed, power, narcissism. I guess it's a number of things, huh? Well, again, media's been lying to you. The United States has been openly supporting Nazis in the Ukraine going as far back as 1946 with the OSS, which later turned into the CIA, which has been supporting them. When had they not been supporting these white nationalist groups? According to this documentary, Ukraine on Fire, produced in 2016 by... Roger, not Roger Stone, Oliver Stone. You've been listening to Black Talk Radio News, giving you an honest, objective view of what's in the news and this current conflict in the Ukraine. If you value independent journalism, then please make a donation today to the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. That said, we're going to close it out. Peace and blessings to all. And um, please share this information with others because definitely they are not getting uh, a, a lot of accurate information off of social media. All right. Peace and blessings to all. Radio since 2008, providing all black media for the masses. Hey, 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 hey.